something about a, a song that can, you know, speak to your heart. And I think uh, something to consider is just our posture, if you will. That could be an overused word, but I think as we, we're going to go forward in the book of John today, and if we approach it in a grateful way, grateful for what God's done in that. Sometimes when you're, you're getting into a place where you're singing a song to worship to God, you begin to realize that like, wow, Lord, you are more patient than I could ever muster up the strength to be and loving in a way I could never be and forgiving and yet powerful and, and true and just and, and right and yet merciful, like loving yet true. Hard to fathom. Maybe it's very un-American, but at some point in time, you really have to just realize, I don't know. And, and then you, your approach is then just awe and worship that he knows and you don't. Let me pray. Lord, I pray for our time together in the book of John. I pray that you would use the words written and translated in the scriptures as well as anything that you that you have me add to it or even if I get off track and I add my own, I pray that all those that you would use, Spirit, to speak to those who hear your voice and to minister to those who are ready. I pray this, Jesus. Amen. Grab your Bibles. John chapter 3, if you weren't with us, we're following Jesus. He has met some disciples. He's gone up to Jerusalem for, to celebrate the Passover, Passover festival. Uh, John tells us in here about a few things that he did. He also tells us that there were many miracles and signs that Jesus did. And because he did those things, even though John hasn't described them, Many people believed in him. So last week we hit on this point, that there is a difference even in the Greek language to believe in something, to acknowledge it intellectually, and to believe on something, to put your weight, your hope, your trust on it, to, to move forward as if it's true. It's a very different thing. It's what we've been reflecting on this week. And now uh, we're going to move forward. John 3, verse 1. So Jesus is in Jerusalem. Verse 1 says, Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler. Okay, the word there means first rank. Okay, what's a Pharisee? That you, what do you understand to be a Pharisee? A religious leader, a teacher. They believed in the resurrection as opposed to Sadducees, which didn't, right? Okay. That's their sad, you see, exactly. Because there's no resurrection, so they would be sad, you see. Uh, and the, the Pharisees, right, they had... Uh, another thing that happened is, you've got to understand, even though this book in its order isn't the first book in the New Testament, the time, we're coming off the back end of what we've known as a 400-year period of what they call kind of a quiet or silent time. And so what's happened is, without the presence of the prophets and a lot, of, a lot of awareness of what God is up to, I mean, he wasn't absent, 
but their awareness was absent. You see that? And when your awareness becomes absent to God at work, all you have to rely on is your own cunning and your own ability to try to make your way to God. And when humans try to make their way to God, there's a word for that. It's called religion, right? So, so the Jews who at one time had miraculous experiences and like, remember when Jesus del- or when God delivered you from Egypt and he parted the seas and he, he killed the firstborn and he sent all the plagues. Remember Jesus who, who gave Abraham, who was well advanced in years and his wife, a son, a promised son when they had been barren all their childbearing years, like those types of things, right? Experiential. And I, I, that's a dangerous word. I know. But they didn't experience and know God, and so it became religion. So you had these religious leaders. They were trying to coexist. They had the stickers and everything with the Roman government, right? So they're in there. They didn't have the political rule, but they had the power. These were the upper echelon of the class. They were wealthy. They had respect. And apparently this Nicodemus guy was like a first-ranked dude in the Pharisees. So what would you think about him and his personality, his demeanor? What would he be? Stuck up, okay. What? Pompous, yeah. Steeped in the law. Yeah, I, I couldn't. What's that? What did you say something else? Or was powerful. Yeah, like proud because people respected him. Intellectual. And another thing that I think about that, because I see that now in religious terms, is that in churches, especially if you were someone preaching, we all feel like we're this like doctrine and truth police. Like everyone is guilty and wrong until proven right and innocent. Like God needs us to protect him. Like he can't just strike down a lightning bolt and take care of things or a meteor or whatever out of the sky. I mean, he could do anything, right? He had people recorded where he just dropped dead. No, no reason, no, no coroner's report, just dead, right, and buried. Um, so I could see him, and I'm also aware of this. I, I don't know if you realize this. Jesus was not the first dude who came up and said, hey, I'm that guy. I'm the promised guy, the Messiah. And then one by one, they'd be found out and killed, and the rebellion would be taken. And these, type, these Pharisees were the type of guys that saw them and destroyed them. So they thought maybe Jesus was the next guy for this to happen to. Now, verse 2. It says this, but this man came to Jesus by night. Why is that significant? He didn't want anyone to know. He didn't want his contemporaries to know. Because, you, I mean, you can see this played out in movies or something, but, but in reality, okay, if we just had the scripture, forget all the stuff you've been told about it. That tells me one thing. Because I'm wondering, did this Nicodemus guy come to trap Jesus? come to check him out in case he was the real deal, right? Was he on official Pharisee business? I don't think he was on official Pharisee business because he came at night. So there was something in him. And I think for every believer, if if you begin to see yourselves as ministers of the gospel, and if you begin to treat yourself with kindness and others around you with patience and kindness, you have to understand God is working in people and in you. And there are, there are appointed times where, where, where you become ready to receive certain things. And something was going on with this Nicodemus guy. Because he had life figured out, right, in terms of the Jewish world. He had done well. But something wasn't right in him. So there was something, and we all know that to be God, stirring in his heart to say, 
this guy's different, right? Because he's in Jerusalem, he's doing these miraculous things, saying these, these outrageous things. The Pharisees hear about it. Something about it caught Nicodemus' interest enough that he sneaked there in the middle of the night. And he said to him, verse 2, I'm going to go back here so I can put this in there. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, which is a, a term of respect, teacher, right? We know that you're a teacher come from God. So he acknowledged that you came from God for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Here's what we have to remember about a sign, right? Rick, we were talking about signs. What does a sign do? A sign points to something else. I remember we were dating. I thought it was cute because you go on the highways. We're taking a road trip. They had those big, those signs that had a big diesel type truck and it was on top of a triangle to let you know it was going downhill. And I remember asking Brandy, we laughed about it, like, they have trucks here in California that have triangles underneath them? I mean, that sign wasn't a truck. It was a sign pointing to a downhill grade. So every sign is not necessarily what it represents, but it points to something. So these signs said something about this guy is special, and it seems like he's got power from God. We together on that one? That's a really good point, Randy. So Pastor Randy just brought up, he said that we know, right? We know that you are a teacher. So he might have been part of a group of people that God was stirring in who, but he was a leader, right? So he's like, I'll go talk to him, you know? And, right. Sanhedrin, is that what you said? Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah, that's a great catch. So that takes us back to last week's sermon. What I see here reading about this is at this point, Nicodemus believed in Jesus. He saw, and these others around him saw something in him that was special, that seemed to come from power outside of himself. But what they didn't do, what he didn't do at this point is, is believe on. Pistuo, epi, Right? Believe on. Instead, it's pistuo, ice, believe in. And that's what we talked about, different. If you weren't here last week, if you look at the scripture, sometimes this, this is Greek here, and these two words, pistuo, which means believe, and then epe, which means on. Sometimes in, in the scriptures, it's translated from two words, pistuo, ice, and that means believe in. It's an intellectual thing. It's honestly what most church people do with Jesus. We believe in him, like, like you know, Bigfoot or unicorns. But we don't necessarily believe on him as someone we can lean into and give our lives to. So you see that at play. So when you're struggling with that, you're not alone. Even Nicodemus, okay, fast forward. We don't know a lot about Nicodemus, but he was one of the guys that claimed Jesus' body. So something happened from this conversation to Jesus' death where he put himself out there. He went from pastuo ice to pastuo epi, right? He believed in. And what happened after that? I don't know. John doesn't say. But he did something in terms of an action that causes me to believe God started something which he continued on with after this. And that, that's important because as I see you and as I see myself, 
you have to understand that's part of the process, right? Jesus finds you. You begin by believing in him. And only through trying and testing and experience with him do you get to that point where you believe on him. And that's probably enough you could think about for like 35 years. But I'm going to keep going, okay? Uh, Verse 3, Jesus answered him. Okay, check this out. This is not how to win friends and influence people. Okay, Jesus had an awareness. He had a discernment about him to know where this man was at. I get that because here's what happens, okay? You guys ever uh, come across somebody and they use language which tells you they don't really know what you know? Let me give you an example. Okay, being a pastor, it's weird how people interact with you. What I love is when someone's like, oh, so you're a priest. Oh, okay. So I know they have no tradition in Christian churches. They just think in terms of religious institutions. So they think I must be a priest. So I can discern that the way that they're talking. So from what, from what was going on spiritually between Jesus and him, what God was showing him, he realized this guy wasn't yet ready to believe on him. So he throws this out here to test him. Jesus answered him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Right? Like, wow, we, we see you're a great teacher. Truly, truly, I say to you, you're going to have to be born again to see the kingdom of God. So then Nicodemus, you know, being clever and smart, he, he says back to him, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And you can, you can try to read, read tones into that, but yeah, he's trying to catch him a little bit like, this is, seems kind of ridiculous. What are, you, what are you saying? Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel at what I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Verse 9. Nicodemus said to him, how can this be? And Jesus answered him, I love this, check this out. Are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? I thought you were the guy, man. You don't get this thing. Verse 11. Truly I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. Now, I want to pause here because I want to say something to you. Something that's on my heart. That's a, even though the context of this, he's trying to say, what I'm saying to you, I know because I've experienced it. It's what I've seen. It's what I'm a witness to. But you don't get it, and I know why, because you haven't experienced it. Now, please understand, this in principle is how this works. If you were to come in here without any tradition of religion and simply look at the scripture, I mean, something you need to know, what we see here is a man who clearly wasn't ready to lay everything down and follow Jesus. Right? Not, not ready to believe on, but he was seeking. God was moving in him and in his life. 
But understand, certain things can only be understood by experience. Right? Like, like you see a song, and honestly, let's be honest, you see a song and some people are like, some people are still, some people are getting crazy, right? Now, now, doing that is neither right or wrong. If we're being honest, if the song is moving in you, I can see why you would do that. It is probably moving in you because your experience, right? So when I hear a song about how good God is in spite of me not measuring up, that speaks to me because I live that. So what Jesus is saying is like, I know you don't get it, Nicodemus. I know you don't get it. And because you don't get it, you don't believe what we're telling you. So just a side note, understand that about yourselves. Maybe you don't yet. Oh, man, I've never experienced that. Okay. Don't be down on yourself. Understand that's part of the process, and I pray it happens to you so you understand if it's good. Right? But bear witness to what you have seen. That's the whole thing, guys. Lost, you are the church, the body of Christ. You have a particular set of experiences. Brandy and I were at a coffee shop yesterday. There's a girl that we knew a long time ago. Well, now she's an adult, and she's telling her story, and Brandy's like, oh, dang, I got like all five of those experiences I could talk to you about. And you're like, thank you, God. It's a good thing I went through that when I was 19, 20, 22, because now she's 23, and she needs somebody to encourage her in that. That's it. You see it? That's the church. That's the Christian life. That's evangelism. That's sharing. Okay, off of that one, on to the next one. Born again. Now, I really wanted to honestly be responsible and really kind of go more into the scripture and the story, but I believe, or I'm imagining it, that I need to slow down because the heart of what I want to do together as we go through John, I'd like to look at this in a fresh way because all of us have come from different backgrounds and some are new to this faith and we're trying to figure it out and some are on the outside seeking it. I'm really glad you're all here because even though we all have differences, we have one hope and that's Jesus Christ and I have to share with you about him. So this is a concept that we'll talk more about, not just this week. But I want to start with part of this this week. Born again. What it means here is actually, if you look at the, the, the Greek here, it's this idea to be born or brought forth from above. Born from above. Uh, here's the question that everyone's going to ask. And I'm not necessarily going to get into that, but let's just put it out there. Is this, are you just talking about when we die and we get resurrected? Or does it, can it happen now? And, 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 then, and then honestly, I'm not going to get into that so much, but I think what you begin to see is there is a complete rebirth of the earth, right? And all people and your bodies and everything that's going to happen. But, but the rebirth is something that's happening now and continuing on, right? Until that day. So, I really want to go back before we dig into that because I believe we need to get to the grassroots of this and the truth based on the scripture. Let, let me identify the problem. You do need to be reborn, meaning born from above, and I, I do too. Here's the problem. We go back to Genesis. I'm going to give you guys a bunch of scripture, so a couple things. That's why, hear me, if you really want to take this seriously, if you, like Nicodemus, are seeking and you're wanting to see something, I want to give you some resources for this. So this whole video will be on YouTube later so you can relook at these scriptures because I'm going to throw some scripture at you. 
Josh will send out through the church a sermon in a nutshell. How come I keep I keep on sermon in a nutshell, which will have those. Also, Sunday night, four to six, we go over this stuff in what we jokingly call Sunday night church. So please join us four to six if you want to get more into that. Okay, here's the problem. Okay, doctrine police, you might hate me. Okay, we can talk later, but let's go back to this. Genesis 2, and the Lord God said, he's created man, and now he's given him instruction. And the Lord God commanded the man, remember the woman's not there yet, you may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in that day that you eat it, you shall surely die. So everything you've seen, guys, Just throw that out for a second. Listen to this. God is saying to the man, here's the garden. Eat anything in here you want, except for this tree. And this tree, its fruit, give you the knowledge of good and evil. Don't do it. If you do it, you'll surely die. Well, we know what happens. God makes the woman. The woman and man are there. The serpent comes and says, yeah, God was kidding. They eat it. And then it's like, they didn't die. Now, what I think is fascinating is Adam didn't say, Adam and Eve, there's no recording to them say, I guess God was joking because we're still alive, we're still breathing. Now, here's what happened. The language here, and this is Hebrew instead of Greek that we're translating from. The phrase here, for in that day you shall eat of it, instead of you shall surely die, what it means is dying you shall surely die. So it wasn't like a drop dead die. It was like a death sentence. And biologically, that's what's happening. I mean, you could look at it and say, a child's born and they're growing, but technically they're dying. And those of us who get older, we become very aware that we're dying, right? Like my hair is gone, it's dead, it's not coming back, right? Okay. Other part, yeah, you, you and I, we are dying. You shall surely die. Then God said this. Genesis three twenty two. Then the Lord God said, behold, who's he talking to? Himself in a way, right? Yeah, right? So we, it's like Jesus, God, Holy Spirit, the, what we've term, made the term Trinity, which is not in the Bible, just so that you know. Okay, when God, the Lord God said, behold, the man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil. Why, how does he know good and evil? Because he ate the fruit that gave him awareness of evil. And really what it happened to do, he started thinking, ooh, I, could, I see evil and that could be good. It's like fun. Right, I said, doctrine, please, you're going to hate me, but we're going with it. Okay, behold, the man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil. Now, lest he reach out his hand and take also the tree of life and eat it and live forever, dun, 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 he's got to kick him out. So you see what's happening is he said, they were allowed to eat this tree that helped them live forever. Apparently, it was coconut oil or vinegar, because that's supposed to, right? I don't know. That's probably what's growing on that tree, or maybe... Goji berries, I don't know. But anyway, whatever that fruit was, was going to have them live forever. And so he goes, now that they have that sin and evil, desires have awoken in them because them eating that fruit, we can't let them live forever and do evil forever. We got to surely kick them out and dying, they shall surely die. Boom, they had kids. It didn't take long. One son kills the other. So all that to say, everyone you just kind of wake up, shake out the cobwebs there. We got we to gotta go back before we go forward. We exist from Adam and Eve's family all the way to now 
We exist, even though we were created to be united with God and be in his presence, we exist separated from God. And the term for that becomes, he's our, our spiritual source, right? So initially, we become separated from God in person, phys- our physicalness is separated from him. We become spiritually dead. And we're physically dying. There's a feel-good message. This is a weird, weird thing to say, but questions about that? I know pastors are supposed to ask questions. Come on. But you see that. The source of life, God, we're, we're physically separated from him in his tree that would help us live forever, so we're dying. And we're, we're spiritually dead because we're separated from the source of spiritual life. And you, could, you can argue to your blue in the face about how that works. I don't know. I'm too stupid. But I know it's true. Okay? And so because of that, we desperately want to get alive again. And that's the whole reason that all the things in the world look so good to us. Right? That's the reason why, because we want to be alive and not feel so dead. So we're desperately going for that. Well, a long time ago, a prophet named Ezekiel, here's where I'm going to throw some scriptures at you, okay? Ezekiel 36. And this is God speaking through a prophet, verse 24. For I will take you out of the nations. I will gather you from all the countries and bring you back into your own land. Okay, literally God's people into their land. But, but the idea, the metaphor of what's going on here is that, that God has taken all his kids who've become separated because we're out in the world trying to find life. He's going to gather us. That's what, that's what the believers are doing. We're, we're gathering from all the nations together, fueled by one God and one spirit, one Savior, Jesus Christ. And then what he's going to do when he gets us, he says, I'll sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. Like, yes, right? Anyone else? Do you have enough awareness to know that you have impurities? Do you have enough awareness to know that you have idols? And then he goes on beyond that. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Anyone ever felt their heart get hard towards somebody or something? Like there's a supernatural thing that's happening that you have to succumb to because it's, I will put my spirit on you. I will sprinkle you and I will take away all your sins and I will tear down all your idols. But that doesn't happen just in a second, right? The power's there, but the surrender happens. I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit in you and move you to dance crazy and speak in tongues? No, I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Like spiritual life is doing what God's leading you to do. It's what he's commanding to do. Spiritual life is coming out of all the nations, overcoming all the garbage they told you was right and good and true and coming back to God's way. And that can only happen because he cleanses us, giving us a new start and gives us his spirit to help us go that way. 
We'll keep going. Here's more. Ephesians 2, different guy. After Jesus has resurrected, returned to the Father and is in authority. Paul is writing to the Christians at Ephesus. Ephesians 2, verse 1. And you were dead in the trespasses and sin in which you once walked. Let that hit for a second. All of us, that's where we started. Physically and spiritually dead. And why were we that? We once walked that way because we were following the course of this world. Following the prince of the power of the air. Who's that? Right? Satan, darkness, evil. The spirit that's now in work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body, and the mind, and we were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Uh, woo! Check that out. That, guys, we have to come to grips with humbling ourselves, especially the people that were born in the nursery like me. You believed in Jesus from the beginning, but some of you will go 80 years and never believe on him. Right here in church today. Like, and I don't want that for you, but I trust it has to be God's time. But I'm telling you right now, you can't get there unless you go back and understand that we've got separated. Our ear became open to all the enemy, all Satan, all darkness, all evil, all fear, all selfishness has offered to us. And we're a sucker for it because we want life and it's promising life. So that's where we were. But God, verse 4, check this out. This is, the, this is where I wish I could do a backflip, Chris. That'd be sweet, man. i got to work on that. Being rich in mercy, probably won't get that one down. Yeah. I can't even do a, car, I can't even do a cartwheel, you know? I mean, geez. <laughs> but God being rich in mercy, not because you're awesome, but because he's just like has so much abundance. Mercy, because of the great love which he loved us, even though we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together in Christ, like made us already. You see that? We've been reborn, regenerated already when we received Jesus. The Holy Spirit, the power, I will sprinkle, right? I will sprinkle, I will cleanse you. That's not a baptism thing, okay? We're talking about, it's a metaphor of what God does. You see, even though I'm a a creature of disobedience, even though I'm sinful, even though I have a lot of, like, there's lots of lust of this body that I want, okay? I mean, you know, and in spite of that, God can cleanse me as if I never did any of those things. His power can help me overcome the urges. And by that, I was dead even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you've been saved and raised up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We'll tie that in later, not today, but back into that being born again. Verse 7, so that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace, we have been saved through faith. And it's not of our own doing. It is the gift of God and not as a result of our works so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. I almost want to sing the VBS song, right guys? Yeah. Created in Christ Jesus, which God prepared 
beforehand that we should walk in them. Do you see it? Acknowledge where you were. Be grateful about who you are in Christ and then be that which he made you already. You want more? Yeah, this is great. Okay. Titus 3, verse 3. At one time, right, also New Testament letter. At one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, yeah, deceived, yep, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures, yep. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us, not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth, right? Once again, saved us already. Washing and rebirth and renewal of the Holy Spirit. Like, shame on us for not talking about the Holy Spirit or making him a magical genie. We're missing it, man. The Holy Spirit lives in us so that we can walk in righteousness in these right works. We can love when we're not. We can be made new by the power of God that you can't understand. It's like Jesus said, it's like the wind. I don't even know what happened to you. So that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs having the hope of eternal life. I don't know when we get back there, right? What's the fruit going to taste like, man? Like, oh, yeah, the eternal life fruit, right? Dr. Pepper? I don't know. Maybe that'll taste like... Um, cherry Dr. Pepper. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Ginkgo biloba or something like that. I'm not quite sure, you know. So back to that born again. Um, I don't want to be distracted by slides because this is kind of a rewrite midweek. So get this, okay? Here's what we're learning from what the scripture said. You and I, we were born. Remember that? It was cold all of a sudden. I don't remember it either. But I remember when my kids were there. And I don't know why they were crying. If they saw my face or what they, I don't know. But anyway, there was this awareness that happened pretty soon. A a fascinating thing, if, if you've ever seen that. Uh, Well, all of it's fascinating, but one interesting thing is it didn't take long for you to notice your kids just being aware of new things. And the other amazing thing was I gave them the first bath, right? So it was like, okay, be born, cut the umbilical cord, sit them on mom, then here, dad, take them. And then all three kids, it was a little bit different, right? Their, Their birth process was a little bit different. Same starring act, God and Brandy, okay, and I was there. And, and um, I bathed them in different places. What was interesting is she started talking to them mid-bath, and their head was like, Zoop. they knew her voice. And then when they went to her, they knew my voice. And they became, there was like a new awareness. They could hear, and apparently they've interviewed a baby, and they know what they can see and can't see. I'm not sure how that worked out, maybe. One of those babies that talk you see on TV, maybe they ask them, I don't know. But, but somehow they know what they can see and they can't. But, but the point being, uh, the idea of rebirth is you begin seeing things you didn't see before in a different way, and you became hearing things in a way that you didn't hear before, right? I see this with the kids, right? Because like, if you saw me, 
when I was like 17, Brandy jokes about it. It's like you had baggy pants and you pretty much thought you were a gangster rapper, right? So then you look at your kid who's doing a similar thing. It's a little different, right? And then you think, oh, man. And all the old people are like, this world's just going to hell. Like, uh, like it's... I got tighter pants, okay? Like, right? My sister didn't braid my hair to look like dreads anymore. It's just there's no hair left. It looked weird, Chris. So, so certain things change. I begin to see things differently, understand things differently, right? Now I care about the lyrics of the music a little more, not just the beat. Sometimes I'm like, oh, yeah. That's really too many F words for me. I can't, I can't, right? Like, so these are the things that happen. So this rebirth, understand, I'm going to simplify it because it needs to help. Understand you were born dying. And when you were born, you were put into a world where you were invited into all kinds of evil and destruction. How much power is enough? Just a little more. How much money is enough? A little more. How much friends or followers is enough? A little more. How much sex is enough? Definitely a little more. Food, drink. Oh, oh I love the rain. Oh, I hate the rain, right? Like, oh, geez. it's too hot. It's too cold. Like, it's just not, you're not going to win. It's not just you that's dying. The whole world is. The birds think it sucks, right? And like, it's just nuts. Don't put too much trust in it. Just don't. And I think that's just so hard. How do you help people find, and the young people find in their way in the world, knowing that the world's just full of junk too, right? Like, but they got to like learn it by experience, right? Like Nicodemus, I want to tell you so you believe in him. And I hope one by one, the light's going to come on. You'll be, that rebirth is going to take its effect and transform your mind. The, the sanctification, you'll start to see things differently. and be like, oh man, that, that isn't good or right. And it might not catch you here. It might catch you at 30 or 40 or 50 or 60 or 70 or 80 or 90. And so I'll keep talking to you guys too, because today could be the day where you see things differently. But understand, we were spiritually dead and physically dead. Here's the bad news. Nothing's turning the physical around. Thank God, right? Yeah, yeah. Right? Like, I mean, even God had to, not only that, it was like, even without the fruit, if you look at the Old Testament, they were still living too long. There's lots of theories of why that was. And then God had to limit, did something to limit their lives because they were just capable of way too much evil in that lifetime. Right? And even now, sometimes some of us are like, 80 years is like too much, man. I'm done. Right? Like, so, so you can see that at play. God said it's true, and if you observe it right, you're like, wow. So I'm physically dead. And here's where there could be some disagreement. But So please understand, we use the word like the flesh, but there's inherently, there's a lot of things that are really neutral. They're not evil or good per se. It depends on how they're used. Does that make sense? Um, newer isn't always better. It could be better, right? It could be worse. What's that? Evil is in the intent. 
But one thing you have to be aware of is as long as you have this body and there's the, the residuals, this, this basically, let's call it an avalanche leading to physical destruction, which you need to happen. Right? You've you got to shed this body at some point in time. So you're on this like crazy out of control roller coaster. It's going to go down. So like, oh, my eyesight is going up. Yeah, yeah, it does that, right? Oh, my hair is turning color or falling out. Yeah, it, it does that. Your, your physicalness, your attachment to this body makes you susceptible to things. You get afraid. You don't like it if someone hurts you physically. Right? Because it hurts. You have these little weird things, even like we've been reading some like food science stuff, because that's interesting and crazy at the same time. But what they're finding too is even like, let me give you an example. They're like, what we know already in limited research is that your brain needs sugar. Now, it was intended for you not to get it in 64 ounces. More like from an apple, Right? There's a reason why you want it. There was a reason why Natalia can do a bake sale. Well, don't eat 17 cookies, right? But you want to because your flesh craves it. You see that? Like you get, when you don't get enough sleep, you can get tired. You can get grumpy. You want to drink alcohol and drive and you're impaired. You could do evil and hit someone with your car and even take their life. Is your car evil? Not necessarily. Are you evil? Not necessarily. But you're separate from God, attached to your flesh. Is it wrong that you want to support your family? You want to be comfortable? No. But your flesh desire for one more dollar. Sex is a beautiful thing for procreation and connection between a husband and wife. But most of us just can't stop wanting more of it because we're in this flesh. Do you see? We get afraid. We don't want to be alone. We don't want to be rejected. All those things are tied into our flesh, our mind, our body, our physical needs. So because of that, there's a constant temptation to give in to those impulses. But God said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you a chance to be born again. I'm going to change the way that you're thinking. I'm going to, I'm going to sprinkle my spirit on you. I'm going to pour it on you in other places. I, I'm, I'm, you're going to just soak it in so much that it takes out all the impurities, all the way you gave into this, your mind and emotions and your physicality, and you did evil. I'm going to wipe that out. And I'm going to see you just as if you never sinned. And I'm going to put my spirit in you so that he gives you the strength to continue to walk in those things. And every time you fail to do that until you shed this body, like I'm going to be there to help you pick up the pieces. I'm going to forgive you and have you walk in a newness of life. Isn't that great news? New birth. We'll keep talking about it, but we, we've got, I had to go back first. You need to be born again. And 
I can't necessarily teach it. And as much as I would try, I would fail. But like Jesus said, you've got to be born again of, of the water, which most people think is that metaphor for the spirit and spirit. You know, it's that cleansing. It ties back to Ezekiel. It ties back to all the ritual cleansings that they would do. It is not the cleansings of water that make you pure. It's the Holy Spirit. It's the forgiveness of Jesus' blood that purify you. And once I purify you, I'm going to walk with you. And I'm going to teach you to think differently. And in that process, somewhere along the way, we're going to go from believing in me to believing on me. And I feel like that's what we should have been told at the beginning. I don't know about this Christianity thing, Will. It's going to cost you everything. But it's going to give you everything. And what makes it tremendous good news is if you came from a place where you felt less fortunate, you feel like you didn't have a good start, you get a new start. If you've done things you're not proud of, if you're going to keep doing it, that's your choice. But there's a power there. There's a power to leave all that. There's a, there's a gift to accept that I was once that, but I'm not that now because of God, because of Christ Jesus, because of what he did. Now, for those of you who think you got it pretty much together, here's sort of the bad news, good news. One, you didn't. Okay. But two, breathe. <laughs> breathe on, perfectionist. Just, it's not up to you. That's why I hear that song, and it's like, oh, God keeps coming for me because, oh, that's me, right? Like, I, I think I had this. Um, you know, I have a family where it was like, I could have slept and finished high school and probably college because of how awesome my family was there for me and how privileged I was, okay? But, but that didn't matter if I wasn't growing and becoming the man that God wanted me to. And then there's that pressure like, oh, man, you better really achieve something huge if you've got all that going for you. Right? I remember high school graduation, some people were like, oh, man, I can't, I can't even believe I made it. It was like, oh, the triumph of life. And I was like, it's Tuesday. This is... Right? And it's just because of the situation. I wasn't working a bunch of hours or living on my own or a single dad taking care of a baby. I didn't have drug addict parents. I wasn't abandoned by them. I wasn't being abused. But lots of people are, right? So it's the great equalizer. No matter where you came from, you get a new start. 
So lay off everything that was wrong that you used to do and accept his love. And if you think you got it all together, humble yourself and realize how blessed you were to have that, but yet how you still are as corrupt as can be. Because you see this. You know what's more poison in a, in a congregation of believers or in a community or in a family? It's passive-aggressive, divisive, judgmental gossip crap. It's the poison of every church. Churches don't fall. Fellowships of believers don't charge, don't fall because they're all doing meth. Right? Like, oh, they have a prostitution ring there as so they fell. That's not why they fall. It's because everyone's snotty. All the church ladies and the church guys are snotty to each other. They can't get along. They gossip. They pretend to have it together. And the 20-year-old girl pants wearing fancy worship leader doesn't believe any of it. Right? And then you wonder why he runs off on his wife, because everyone in the church is just full of trash. No one's being reborn. No one's being made new. No one's surrendering themselves, no matter where they started, the great equalizer of the rebirth. That's good news. And what we'll see looking at this with Nicodemus is he wasn't quite ready to give that up, all his privilege. But then you'll see like the Samaritan woman who's like, yes, I'll take the restart. I'll take the restart. So I, I, I'm asking the worship team to come up. I'm going to pray. And, and then I'm just going to ask you guys just to give them a little bit of time because I, I, I'd like you to pray. And, and talk about this, begin to talk about this with God, about this rebirth. I don't know where you're at, but I suspect you're probably in one of those kind of categories where it's like, yeah, if I'm being honest, I could really use a fresh start because of where I came from. Or if I'm being really honest, maybe I'm a little bit arrogant thinking I have it so much together and I need to humble myself. And, and bring that to God. And then we're going to keep talking about this. Well, I didn't want to go keep going in the story without that, without the understanding that we were separated from God in spirit. And, and before I pray, I'm going to give you this last little thing to hold on, no matter which way you're coming from. Please understand, if, you, if you've received Christ, right, as the way that we would say it, if, if you're trusting on Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, Jesus said this, when he was physically walking with these men and women, time came for him to, to return to the Father. And they're like, don't go. Could you imagine why? Yeah. Wouldn't you like to have Jesus here today? And you could ask him a bunch of questions afterwards, and you guys could go to lunch, and he could magnify all the, he had, you know, expand the bread and the fish, and then you'd all eat for free. That would be good, right? Yeah. Um, but, He'd heal who were sick. So heal the sick, raise the dead, speak truth. I would love for him to be right here. But he's like, I've got, there's a better plan the Father has for you. And if I return to him, he'll send you the Holy Spirit, the helper. And he'll do a lot of things. But one of the things that he'll do is he'll, he'll comfort you. Another thing is he'll, he'll counsel you. He'll remind you of everything I've already written and shown you uh, and all these stories and testimonies, and he'll, he'll lead you going forward. And you all have that power. And that's where Titus, in Titus it's saying that 
washing of the and regeneration of the Holy Spirit. And I think the really harmful thing is once we start to think, it happened to me once and I'm good. Yes, the power of God came. You were saved. You were reborn. But now you're being transformed by the renewing of your mind, right? Now you're being cleansed. You're being counseled on a daily basis. So no matter which camp you are, if you're like, yes, Lord, I really want, I really want to understand this new birth because I need a reset. Or if you're like, oh, Lord, you know what? It's true. I think I'm getting very full of myself because of my privilege. Come to him. Seek that renewal of the Holy Spirit, that you would walk in the Spirit, which is less about miraculous things and more about choosing to follow Christ. And so I'm going to pray, and I'm going to ask Jesus to do what Jesus does through the power of the Holy Spirit. And we'll keep talking about it tonight, and we'll talk about it in weeks to come. So let's pray. Uh, Lord, Jesus, thank you that while I was still a sinner, while I still, even though I knew about you, I wanted what the world had to offer. And if I'm honest, sometimes I still do. And in spite of that, you loved me even when I didn't love you. If I'm being honest, sometimes it doesn't make sense because I know I'm reborn, but yet I feel old sometimes, you know, the, the old way. But I know that in me is the power to do new way, the power to transform and change my mind to help me as a man who's been born again to see differently. and to hear differently and think differently and act differently not, not to get your favor but because you already love me so I don't get the when Jesus I don't know where it starts and where it ends and the same with the spirit but I pray spirit that you would display your power in us by changing us. I pray that the men and women here would just surrender our agendas, surrender our dying bodies and our, our selfishness and our fear, surrender our hopes, our disappointments, our pride and our self-hate. You would take all those things, Lord, and you would make us new and beautiful. Spirit, come like the wind. Do your work. In Jesus' name.